Just open your heart to what God has this morning. Because he wants to do something deep this morning. He wants to take us to a place. I want the Holy Spirit to take me there too. Lord, we just thank you this morning, Father. We thank you, Lord, because many of the plans in a man's heart. But Lord, you direct their steps, Father. And Lord, I just pray this morning that you would just direct the words, Lord, from my mouth, Lord God. Lord, that Father, that we'd be prepared to eat from your table. Lord, that we'd be hungry, Lord God. Lord, you've prepared the table, but are we hungry? And I just pray that, Lord, that you put that hunger within us, Lord God. This morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I often think about that. God has prepared the table daily before us. Do we eat from his table? This morning, we're carrying on from waiting on the Lord. And where I believe God wants to take this is into the king's room. Many of you must be thinking, where's the king? But he's here. He's with us. And when I first got this word a few months ago, although it's changed a lot since I first got it, I believed for this country that we were going to meet with the king. Over people that don't know him. Over the government that they would meet with the king. That the nation would gather around the king in his throne room. That the nation would cry out to enter in to the king's room. Are you with me? Good. What does waiting on the Lord look like to me? I want to take you on a journey this morning into what I believe waiting on the Lord looks like to me and what it has looked like to me over the last 10 years. I love the fact that we have a prayer group downstairs because they just speak so much truth into you. Prayer opens up a door where God speaks and he speaks right into your situation. And something prayer does, it just confirms, it reassures. And before I came here this morning, it has been a battle. Maybe because God's got something to say. But it has been. But now... I'm reassured that it's God's word and not mine. Waiting on the Lord. It is putting him first to me. It is putting him in the center of everything. It is redirecting everything and making him the head. It is entering into the throne room where we intentionally turn our affection towards him. It is us giving him even the little we have to offer. We often think that the waiting on the Lord is waiting, is just waiting, waiting, and waiting. And yes, there is a sense of waiting, but we're not waiting for a bus. I think some of us are waiting for the bus that we never see. It's his room, and I believe he's there waiting for us this morning. He's waiting for us to come into the room. Are you with me? 
What is the king's room? Well, I'm going to explain that this morning. It is the throne room of God, and it is where his presence continually abides. God has called us. God has called you. God has called me. You see, first he calls us. He calls us out. We didn't come to him first. We know this. But sometimes we need reminding. Because often we feel lost. Often we feel in despair. Often we feel lonely. And I think in this country and around the world, obviously I I don't know much about it. But we always talk about effects of mental health and, and all these things. And there's a lot of loneliness in that. But we must remember as a church that he called us. This was his idea. It wasn't ours. It was his idea to call you. It was his plan to call you. It was his purpose to call you. And I remember in 2011, I was working on a farm. And I remember what I was going through. I felt I'd spent maybe eight years of my life I knew Jesus, I had so many incredible experiences with Jesus, but as you get older and as you go on in your walk, sometimes you come to a place and you're sat on the fence. Don't be ashamed if you're sat on the fence this morning, because God can do something about it. Don't be ashamed if you feel distant, because God can do something about it. That's why he's given this word this morning. Because he's calling you afresh to come into his throne room. And I remember sat on the quad bike, which was fun. Be going out to round these cows up. I was reminded of David. Somebody who was anointed. He was chosen. He was called. Even when he was in that field. Even though he had all of his brothers to go before him. Many of you feel that you've been pushed But God sees you because he doesn't look as man sees. God sees the heart. Isn't that good? I'm glad he sees the heart. Because even when we fall short and we turn to him, he sees the heart. (laughs) Even when David's brothers, they might have been bigger than him, brighter than him. But David's heart was of the Lord's. And I look at this church and I'm encouraged because I believe people's hearts in here are of the Lord. But I believe God is calling you this morning to a place to meet with him in the throne room, in the king's room. Wow, imagine getting an invite to the king's room. Whew, or the queen's room. You'd have to go in there. You'd have to get a list or order of the way that you need to approach the queen or a king. I've never done it, so I don't know. And you'd have to go through all this process. Whereas Jesus says, come as you are. Wow. And so as I'm on that farm, I can sense within me, and I'm crying out, almost like, save me from myself. Who can, who can you know, relate to that? Yeah. Save me from myself. Sometimes there's so much going on in the mind, we're just so blocked. 
And you almost want to cry. I believe that relates to people this morning. You almost want to cry because there's so much going on there. And you feel so disconnected. Dysfunctional. I'm telling you, this is God because I haven't got this down and it's, it's point to point. It's working. Plus, I met with Rob the other night, so if I don't have any kind of structure, then I'm in big trouble. <laughs> He's a good man. And I remember having to make a decision to go out to Africa. Ben Blades had been there for a year. I nearly said two. A year doing a, a, a course with YWAM DTS. And I really felt that I needed, God was calling me to go. So I finished my job, packed my bags, and I did it Andrew Spence style, very last minute. <laughs> Booked the flights probably two weeks before I went. I think that's actually true. And I got there. And I unpacked my stuff. And this sense of desire, and I believe there's people in here that have a desire right now, and it's growing. You so desire, God, I want to read your word more. God, I want to pray more. Whoa, I nearly fell off. God, I want to pray more. I want to have a desire to be closer to you. And it's almost like we're stood at this door, and we don't know how to get in, even though there's no door here. <laughs> It's a spiritual thing. <laughs> we're stood at this door and we don't know how to get in. We're almost walking into walls. Sometimes I see my apprentice doing that and I think, what hope have I got? <laughs> what hope has he got as well? And there was a part of me that had such a desire to say, God, I want to just press in. And a part of you says, you're not good enough. You've got too many other things on your mind. But God, I have this desire, but I can't somehow, I can't commit, to, I can't somehow do this. It's not working. For some reason, something is missing. Oh, I'm so glad we've got a lot of time. And I remember being lying there I'd signed up to do a six-month DTS course. This church, if some of you might remember, Simon might remember, Phil might remember, Malcolm will remember. Everybody had encouraged me and said and prayed for me and released me and supported me and said, "Go for it." Okay, so I get there. I'm ready. I'm thinking, right. I've ticked all my boxes. I had a wedding ring bought for Amy before I left so that when I came back I would ask her to marry me. I, um, don't worry, you haven't heard it all yet. <laughs> I, uh, I planned on doing this six-month course and then coming back and conquering the world, maybe being the next Billy Graham. Still stood here. But 
What happened within that week was, and I don't think I've ever shared this maybe in this way to relate to the people that actually backed me to go. God spoke to me and he simply said, wait on me. Wait on me. See, God sometimes has to take you from where you are, somewhere in a foreign land. That doesn't mean you have to go and change your destination. Don't go to Australia, although I would encourage you, it's very nice. It doesn't mean you have to go there necessarily. And some of you feel like you're in a foreign land. Some of you feel like you're, you're not at home. But it is in that moment that God draws you to a place where he speaks. It is in the stillness of his voice. <laughs> and he said, wait on me. Put all your decisions aside and wait on me. Whew. See, it says, no one comes to me unless the Father who sent me first who draws him to me. Deep was crying out to deep. And from the depths of my soul, I cried out to God. And so what happened next? I just want to say this. Sometimes it, uh, some of the things God asks us to do may look foolish. They may look foolish to other people. It may not be hard if you're Andrew Spence to look foolish. But God sometimes calls us and tests us on those foolish things. What seems foolish to others often tests the heart and reveals how far you're willing to go. When God calls you, he tests you. He tests the heart. He tests your mind. He tests the hidden things with you so that you may discern what desires he has placed within you and what desires he hasn't placed within you. It's like a sieve. So what happened when I came back? Well, it looked foolish. I felt a bit humiliated walking into church. That was a great course. I enjoyed six slash two weeks. Because after two weeks, I came back. So what did I do? I said, God, no matter what comes my way, you are first. No matter what now comes my way, I'm putting you first. If it's work, I'm putting you first. And I'm going to be stubborn on this. I am making time for you. And I know that everybody in this room is in different circumstances. I had backing from parents. I lived at home. It was easier. But we all have different challenges to face. When you grow up living on a farm where your parents give so much out of themselves and you're spending a week off work in your room just seeking God, even though that's special, it can be challenging to the flesh because your pride says, no, I need to get out there and I need to do X, Y, and Z. 
I need to work my socks off. And so when I came back, I said that I would do that. I would take time. And an opportunity came along with a carpenter. See, Jesus is trying to make me like him. I might retire in a year's time. Coming up 30, would you believe it? No, I didn't, yeah. But I said to the boss at the time, my new boss, I've never, I've never had an interview, you know. I just got the job. How about that? Probably because probably it didn't take any grades to do it. And I said to him, I need to have a week once a month. That's all I need. Or a, a week, whenever you've not got work, I need that week off. He said, yes, that suits me. So once a month for a week, a week within the month, I would just seek God. I would make intentional time to go through that door into the king's room. Now, don't get me wrong, and I'm going to come to this. It's not necessarily a physical place, but I'm going to show you how to carry it with you wherever you go. And to be confident that he is in you and that you are stood. You could be at home, you could be at work, and you can be stood in the king's room. And this morning, I hope that really comes across clear. This, if anything, I hope you get this. Because it's so important for living freely in Christ. It is so important to get this. Because it takes away condemnation. It takes away, it almost frees you to worship Him more. Because you're less concerned about where you're at. And your focus begins to put Him central in your life. Hallelujah. You see, when he is first, he will grant you favor. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Psalm 27, verse 8. And when you enter that place, the Holy Spirit will lead the way. The word won't be absent. Worship won't be absent. Silence. Sometimes we're scared of silence, aren't we? I know a few people that are scared of silence, but I won't name any names. But sometimes we actually don't like silence, and we think God's not in the silence. We sometimes think he's absent, but he's not. Silence is different. God speaks in the silence. God speaks in the stillness. <laughs> and so I found favor with Colin, with my boss at the time, and I was able to do this. And my daily prayer would be, Holy Spirit, lead me and draw me into a deeper, more intimate relationship with you. And he did just that. You can't live without food and drink. The same applies to your walk in Christ. You see, when I read uh, Brother Young's book, has anybody read Brother Young's book? Chinese dude. He um, mentioned about, because in China, about the uh, 
the Bibles and that some people couldn't get the Bibles. And what happened was they'd have an incredible encounter. They'd have an incredible transformation. But because they had nothing to feed from, it's almost their faith weakened. God has given us food to eat. The word to eat. Hold on, because it's going to get exciting. Don't worry, I'm just getting through some stuff right now. See, this morning, I could talk about entering that room and everything, how it looks in that room. But we don't have the time for that, and I want to focus on what prayer looks like in that room. I'm going to tell you how to get into the room, but first I want to show you what prayer looks like in that room. Would you turn to, with me to 2 Kings 6, 8 to 16. This is going to get exciting. Hold on to your seats. Fasten your seatbelts. Now, the king of Syria was making war against Israel. And he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which one of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. How about that? So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city and ho- with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed. Elisha prayed. And said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around. See, when I first got this word, I believe that I got it for this country to pray that their eyes may be opened. That as they look, they will see Jesus Christ at the top of that mountain or in the valley at the minute. And often it's like, we're like that servant. We, we wake up. I'll come to this side. Can you see me? Everybody see me other than Zoe and Rob? You know what I look like. We wake up on a morning, we come downstairs, and we're, we, we're not ready for the day. We're not ready to face what's out there. 
Because when we look, we see an army coming before us. We see the things in our life coming before us, stood before us. And we don't know what to do about it. Alas, my master, what shall I do? Some of us, it's debts. Some of us, it's family. Some of us, it's illness. Some of us, it's sickness. Some of, it, some of us, it's depression. Some of us, isolation. Some of us, loneliness. Some of us are in a place that we cannot even explain or describe. <laughs> but when you know somebody on the inside of that room, you're in good hands. We need each other to be prayerful for one another. This is what downstairs does. I know that when people come up, you just see this person stood here. And often, if the word's not for you, particularly, you don't understand it. But when the word is for you, believe me, it strikes you. And Elisha said, don't worry. Don't worry about this. And he prayed, Lord, open his eyes. And he saw the armies of heaven. <laughs> Elisha worked in a realm, in a place, in the king's room. He had to. There was no other way he could see and do what he did if he didn't. And God is calling us this morning to come into that room, to step into that room. And we're going to get to that point where I say what it is. It's so big. It's so crazy, the idea that I've got. It might just work. Prayer. When I stepped through that door myself, my prayer life completely changed. I began to see and understand better. I began to pray out what the Holy Spirit had put in. I soon began to realize that prayer would be the key for seeing and understanding my relationship where I fit in with the Trinity. As I centered God in my prayers, the scripture in Ephesians chapter 1 came to mind. And Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding may be opened, may be enlightened. There is something within you, there is a set of eyes. And a lot of the time we have them closed. But it was almost like Paul was like Elisha for a moment. Lord, I pray that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. That is my prayer for us this morning. That by the end of this, that we may know how to enter in. <laughs> and so, prayer opens the eyes of your understanding. What does it mean? It means there are things that you cannot understand without prayer in your life. It takes humility, a willing heart, and to pray in sincerity. To understand... And I say this part with respect to those people who are super clever in this place. And to pastors and elders and leaders and everyone else who I've named. You don't have to be logical thinking. You don't have to be an A-level student. You don't need to be a prophet, apostle, pastor, evangelist or a teacher. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with those things. Prayer isn't even long-winded words. Would you believe it? We don't have to pray long-winded words. I mean, you can have a prayer session that lasts for a good few hours, and that's a good prayer session. But it doesn't mean every time you talk, it's got to go on and on and on. Sometimes you don't have to say a word. 
I know in the Old Testament there's a scripture that talks about uh, somebody before he got to the place, God had already answered the prayer of his heart. Wow. Woo. That's good stuff. You can have that one for free. It comes by faith. Prayer. It comes by faith, believing God's word and allowing his spirit to speak life into our innermost beings. Prayer opens the doors of understanding in our lives. Firstly, it causes us to see as God intends us to see. And secondly, it allows us to speak out or into being the will of God, not just for ourselves, but for others. For his prayer becomes our prayer when we lean in closer. Yes, amen to that. Come on, amen. Woo! When we wait on him, when we put him first, therefore, we in turn pray the will of God into existence, even though it is already there, waiting to be spoken by, out by his adopted sons and daughters. God is waiting for us to speak things of the unknown out into the known. He is waiting. He's got things for you that he's placed in you, ready to speak out. But he's waiting in the room. He's waiting in that room. We're coming, Jesus. <laughs> prayer can be the will of God unfolding or manifesting from the spiritual and becoming evident in the physical in prayer the Holy Spirit will reveal to you when to fight battles and when to sit in peace he will reveal the unknown things whether that's about you others the Trinity kingdoms or nations as he, as he hears, he speaks. Prayer reveals the heart of God, and it is impossible without the Holy Spirit. Some of us don't feel like the Holy Spirit is close to us, but I'm here to tell you, he is. You know, you don't have to be like the person next to you. You just have to be on fire within. Be on fire within. You lit the flame. Keep it. I love it when we light our fire at home, apart from the fact it's pretty big. So if you throw too many logs on it, it's like a sauna. You end up opening all the doors, all the windows. But if I keep feeding that fire, it's going to keep going. As long as I've got wood for that fire, it's going to keep going. And God has given you that stuff, whether it be the Word, and this is, we need all of this stuff, whether it's the Word... The spirit, prayer, worship, whatever it is in that king's room, he has given you and equipped you with that stuff to feed the fire. Feed the fire. Prayer works better when he is at the center. Prayer brings, brings understanding to faith because it works through faith. Prayer reveals the hidden things. We're nearly there. There have been many times when God has put something in my heart to pray about and then confirmed it. It pulls back the curtains so that we may enter in and be a witness to the mysteries of God. Praying is like a magnifying glass given to us. It draws our attention to the real point. You see, the servant saw the people, but Elisha saw the real point. Do you want to see the real point? Therefore, when we affectionately or directly turn our affection, our attention to him, then we begin to see in the reality which God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the person of the Holy Spirit 
And in that, the realities of heaven and how earth should be is seen. So when we enter in that place, bear with me with this. It's a tongue twister. When we enter in that place, we begin to see the reality of what life should be. We see something that cannot be seen by the normal eye. So please don't feel odd or misunderstood. Don't be worried about being misunderstood. Because you will be. But pray that the eyes of their understanding may be opened gracefully as well, lovingly, prayerfully, watchfully. I, could, I feel like, you know what, this morning I, I wasn't feeling like this. I feel like I've got a spring. Something happens. Um, we're nearly there, and then I'm going to give you the key. Okay. Jesus was frustrated with the disciples in Gethsemane because he knew how important it was for them in that moment to focus on the reality of heaven despite what was about to happen. If they'd have focused, instead of falling asleep, like me, sometimes, good job God gives dreams, eh? Some of us want dreams. God's going to give you them dreams, I believe. But Jesus wants us to see the reality of heaven. He wants us to see the reality of the king's room. But it comes by waiting on him. It comes by centering him. So, what is the key? This is the bit I'm looking forward to because we're there. We're getting there. We're, we're, we're on the last bit. Hold tight. The key, the key, the key. I've got a gift. It's a key. It's an old key. It's not as big as I wanted, but it's a key. Just have a look at that key. I was given this a little while ago by a guy who can talk for hours. I knew the minute I called him we'd be on the phone for an hour, and then I knew the minute I went to pick the key up we'd be talking for an hour, and sometimes you just want to get away. Right, here we are. The key. How do we enter? This is very technical, so you're going to have to really listen up right now. It's so technical, you might just be surprised. Some of us are doing this. I'm wondering why nothing's turning. It's because we're actually missing the door. Dan's not here. He's actually working today. But if you do need spec savers, go down the high street. See you. But some of us haven't got our glasses on. The glasses that Christ intended for us to wear. So we're doing this. Next side, nope, not working, give up, I'm going home. And some of us are like that. We actually get into a quiet place with God and we think he's not here. He is, but we have a key. And what is this key? How do we get through? It's, I call it the Jesus key myself. This is the Jesus key. From now on, Jesus key. We get through the door by putting him where he belongs in our life. We get through the door by putting him at the center and we step through into the king's room. And that's how you do it. It's technical. I know. Come on, give God a round of applause. It is a heart and a life that is aimed, centered and fixed on Jesus Christ. That's how you get to the key. That's why it doesn't matter where you're at, you can do it. That's why it doesn't matter whether you're at work and it's hectic or whether you're at home or whether you've got children, you can do it. 
because you turn your affection to Him. Yes, we need the private, intimate time with God. I truly believe that. That's what's transformed my life. But when it's day-to-day business, we can enter in at any time. And don't feel... Con- don't let- Condemnation is a, is a killer because it makes you give up. But He's giving you a key. Just enter. Just say, Lord... I'm sorry for all these distractions. I give them to you right now, and I'm entering him. And if he wants to speak, he'll speak. But if he's silent, he's not absent. He's there. He's within. Centering him starts within the heart, and is spoken out by the mouth. From the heart, the mouth speaks. Are you willing to put your guard down in order to center him? Are you willing to put your guard down in order to center him so that you may be filled? As you are filled, you begin to overflow. And as you overflow, you begin to speak and show evidence of God in existence, God in reality, God in truth, God in prayer, God in worship, God in word, and God in spirit. Come on, hallelujah. Let's recenter Christ this morning in our lives in everything we do. And please do not give up when you fall short of it. Keep going. There are many times in life where God asks us to put him center. This is the key to entering the room, the king's room. I have a slight little challenge this morning. And I want you to do this. Phil Hinton is great at doing all this stuff. And Rob did a great job last time. And, but I've got keys and this morning, I'm, I'm going to give people an opportunity to get one of these. It's not, it doesn't mean anything. So please don't think it's some kind of thing you carry around with you. But it's a reminder that you've been given a key into the king's room. But this morning, I want to pray and I want to invite people. If, they have never, if you have never been in the king's room before, if you've never met Jesus Christ and the reality of heaven on earth, the sonship, the daughtership, the kingship, the queenship, then please do not let this time go. Do not let this time go. And so I'm going to pour some of them on this table here. There we go. You know, you hear about uh, keys for the city. Wow, what a privilege. We get to be have keys to the throne room of God. Wow. That's massive. That's bigger than you think. I think some of you are kind of confounded by that. So I just want to give people an opportunity this morning. If you've never entered in and you want to, we're going to pray together. This is personal between you and the king. And this is your moment to enter into the king's room. If you don't know Jesus in your life and you want to know him, and I want you to just put your hand up, just give yourself to him. We're going to pray. But when you put your hand up, that's you saying, yes, Jesus, let me in. Give me a key. I'll have a key. Right, we're going to pray together. And after you've prayed this, if you want to stay at the front, I'm going to invite everybody to come and get a key. But if you've prayed that prayer... I want you to stay here. It would be an honor to pray with you. It would be an honor to pray with you.
And if you want to just seek God for yourself, seek him. Please repeat after me. Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you, Jesus, that you've made the key available. That we can enter in. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that you died for my sin. That I am a new creation. From this day forth, I give my life to you. Amen. My challenge to you this morning is the prayer team's going to be there. I'm going to be here. If you want, I'm challenging as many people as possible to come and grab a key and let us pray. If you prayed that for the first time, please do not leave without speaking to someone or praying down here. Thank you.